Okay, hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I woke up at a serious hour and it was actually really beautiful because the birds were so loud. Mm. And I was like, it's so meditative out here. What do I do? <laughs> Did you come out here? A little bit here and a little bit in my room. And you just woke up, like it wasn't an alarm thing. But I like thought about, as we're doing this, I thought about like, dude, like people would wake up that early to cook food and stuff. Gotta meditate at 4.30. Yeah, like meditate at the crack of dawn. My mom is like meditating when the sun rises and closes, sets. It's like optimal heaven opening time. I don't know. We don't use word heaven, but yeah. I love that. But I'm also never up that early. It's a Harry Potter. If you watch Harry Potter at the end. Okay. Sorry, I was born in the early 80s. I was born in the mid 80s. I know. There's the generational divide. <laughs> Well, in the last movie, the snitch that he has, it's I op like that Dumbledore gave him, it's yeah. I open at the close. And I think about that all the time. I open at the close. Think about it, right? Like it's like like sunrise and sunset. It's I open at the close or like mm. I close at the open. Like it's kind of this okay, Harry Potter reference. <laughs> you have to start away before that for <laughs> How are you? I'm great. I'm great. I actually love it when it rains. So I feel like really grateful to be inside while it's raining. We've got a really beautiful vantage point here. A bug free vantage point. Holy, with so much greenery and like all these plants and stuff, like definitely this is a better view than my last view. And even that was said to me earlier today. So <laughs> I love this is like our little studio. <laughs> it is our studio. <laughs> Imagine episode 28 is like light, boom, like, I boom, like, B-roll, B-roll. It's our jungle studio. And we know that you're going to hear the rain on this mic, so oh, I yeah. kind of like it, yeah. We came prepared, mm -hmm. coffee, That's a fucking strong coffee. It is very strong. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have to work out the proportions of this maker. But we're ready. We're ready. And it's also day two, so there's so many things that I know we can talk about. And there's also some near-term decisions. You told me three things. We're only yeah. allowed to talk about three things. At all. And I'm, I'm counting your three things here in my I budget. I <laughs> have a meeting agenda for myself, okay. and I will share it. You want to lead them? Do you have something you want to start with the first thing on your list? No, you can start. This coffee is so strong. It's going to be a four-hour meeting. Um, okay. I'm interested in just getting a small vector on some of our branding elements because I think people are paying attention to the things that we're saying and posting. And I love that we're just, like, putting stuff out because it's what's current for us. Mm -hmm. And I think that... Even though it's a 30-day project, 26-day project now, I think it'll be useful for us to have some sort of consistency in the icon, the colors, and that sort of thing. And the one I, the place I'd like to start inside that is is proposing that we use one of two well-known emojis. Oh, I saw that. Okay. To signify the thanks auntie concept, and and this is not just like I, I was playing around different styles, playing different pictures. But what I find really interesting about the two that I'm proposing, so one is the join hands, which actually apparently is a high five. Did you know that? <laughs> I didn't know no, that. No, everyone used it as like the bless, the thank bless you. emoji, right. the thank you emoji, yeah. bless up. 
And you it's know, emojis namaste. It's by like billions of people worldwide but, on their phones. So. Wait, that emoji. Tech pros. <laughs> tech pros made it. What do tech pros? So it turns out, if you want to get super nerdy, there's a council in Japan that decides who does the emojis. And you have to do this paperwork process, which is in part why there's so many Japanese emojis. Are we going to submit an emoji? Okay. We could go there, but one is, I think that one, yeah. as much as it's claimed to be a high five, it clearly means different things to different people, yes, including expressions of gratitude and thanks. And so I think, thanks auntie, thank you, join hands. And the other one I really like, this one actually came out, I think last year is what everyone refers to as the Italian emoji. What is it? This, which like that old Russell Peters bit says that this means what the fuck in Italian. Yeah. But then you can read all kinds of interpretations in Italian, and it's basically like checking someone's self. But on the Indian side, the Russell Peters bit is that this hand sign in India means I'm hungry, or do you want to eat? It'd be like this. Oh, yeah, like right? Anna. Okay, yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. So those are two rooms for interpretation, perfectly understood in like the Indian context. And I think like emojis are just well understood. So I think like taking something that's already built art that can be easily popped onto anything, has some familiarity, comes in brown skin, makes it really like accessible for us to use immediately. And we are taking some thread of that and claiming it for this purpose and not just letting the Unicode society decide what the initial purpose was or like one culture take over the whole meaning of a hand gesture because we all have hands and we all use them for different things. Anyway, so that's a, a place I'd like to, I'd like to put that on the table because that icon, I think could become really iconic here. It's also very like familiar to people. Since, since you already just like fully explained it, should we just talk about it right now? Let's talk about it. <laughs> okay. So as we already, as I mentioned, I low key woke up at four something in the morning and you went to sleep later and changed our brand identity while I was sleeping. I'm constantly changing. This is like Twitter. If you look again, it'll change the book. I, I didn't like this. It was like, really, what are you trying to say? It, it was like, it felt like aggressive. Because? It didn't feel welcoming. It wasn't mm. like, also, I think it was too zoomed in. It was mm. just like the hand. And this is, I don't know, more clear to me. Mm. But I also saw that we did a survey and the survey mm. results were pretty like even. Mm -hmm. Last I checked, it was more for this and for this. But I, it was like sample of 20. I get to like, do I get to super vote? Do I get a super vote? Yeah, of course. <laughs> and then I get a super vote. So this is, I think I know where you're going to end up. I'm open. I like, yeah. I'm open. I, I really like the thanks auntie, the name of what we're creating because mm -hmm. it's so, man, growing up in Toronto, like anyone that's had like a, an Eastern friend knows the auntie thing. And like you walk into a house, like it's not just Indians. We talked about this last time. Like mm -hmm. it's all sorts of cultures. And so I think we just like really hit a note of food culture, mm. at least for me. And I think there's opportunity for people to engage. And so mm. the emoji or the logo, mm. I'm, I'm not going to get sticky about it. Cause I got other sticky things. That one's a coin toss. Okay. Like not, neither of them is offensive. Both seem appropriate. Both could work. So that, but let's take a step back for a second and understand and share. Also, the premise of this month is we merge on like tech terms, right? Like this is like an MVP, like a minimal viable product. This is like a prototype. This is a beta testing. 
that's like the startup lingo, like dimension of this. But then if we think about the artist lingo dimension of this, it's, we're in an artist residency. Like we are creating, and, and the, the parallels of both of these is that it's a container, it's an enclosed container. So we're creating this container, an artist residency to like experiment and hit the far reaching walls of this container but the container really only being time and resources, mm. not about limitations on ideation or the constant, the K constant of change that we choose to invoke mm. kind of thing. It's let's dream far and wide, but know that we have a remainder of 26 days and yeah. a suitcase full of spices arriving tomorrow that has been partially seized by the Costa Rican government. So they know how to cook with them. Yeah, we'll see what we will see what we actually end up with. Yeah. And so I think we could change the emoji fucking hourly, if not daily, what has if happened not minute. We should just get a bot to change <laughs> it constantly. Just for consistency, because like we're yeah. also doing a pop-up next week at a hotel here, and they've asked us for a logo, and that's going to go on a print flyer. Print flyer. They're going to print it and put it around because they want to convince the people that are staying at the hotel to join the pop-up. Right. And we're going to post it from their social accounts. We'll boost it from our social accounts. So there will be a little bit of a stamping in a moment of time to hold one version of this. Wait, they're up. putting it on like... Their account. Like on Instagram? Duh. Wow. What do you mean, wow? This is real. <laughs> it's like not a draft. It's everything is print. No, I know. But Full like, print. it's just like... It's pretty cool though. Oh, yeah. All right. That doesn't really change my stance of like openness to it. I, okay. I, I do like this one the best. Yeah. out of the two because it's um also respectful i think of aunties mm. i think of respect as elderly mm -hmm. people i think of this kindness this thank you and this generosity as well hello auntie goodbye auntie thank you auntie like sentiment so mm. i would imagine that would be used more in an int a real life interaction then this is, hey, beta, do you want some food? Mm. And then even then you're talking to a child. You don't really you never use that with I think it's yeah. more of a language or like a shorthand at times, mm -hmm. but like I grew up with Beta Kanakao, do you want to eat? And it's, that's not really this. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Good background. But related to that, colors. Well, we're going on a whole branding scheme. Okay. As well, because we're mounting up this, this like mindset. Colors. We don't really like aggressively need them, but yeah, for consistency again. What do you think our inspiration for color should be? Thinking about India, right? Like you mm. were saying, 37 different like food types, huge states, like 1.4 billion people. I don't hear, when you say colors, I don't actually hear the word color. Mm. What my first impression is, it goes to textile. It goes to fabric. Okay, cool. And you said that, you said Indra Gandhi, but, yeah. and who's the most, who's the person that- We're classic, that's like, 40s yeah like the the inception of not the inception but like the founding the independence of india which is then that's that's a question for us too is are we talking to our grandparents and like the color schemes that they would recognize okay so we are part of the indian diaspora mm. so are our parents and then let's bring it here because we are the only two like key holders of this diaspora. So this means something to us and maybe nothing yeah, we're, we're to anybody holding, else. Yeah, we're holding it down. I yeah. need to think from like their perspective, there's people at a hotel whipping around, they're here for a week and they're invited to join the Indian food thing. Well, this little neighborhood we're in right now. So I, I wanna honor like histories and I also want to 
acknowledge that um, it needs to be consumable for the people here. So it's like this cross act, the Venn diagram of inspiration for colors and also colors that you might expect to see and consume being 25 to 45 in a beach town in Costa Rica, which I wonder what that overlap even looks like. Well, you could see it here, like the millennial palette of the mm. cleansed mint green palette exists mm. here. It's the let's all have succulent plants. Oh, wait, we live in the jungle. It's an entire yeah. plant garden. Like it's like, And it's we're paleo food and mostly vegan. So yeah, like green's going to show up. We're, right? we're catering towards, for lack of a better word, like a hipster crowd, right? To be like generic about it. Yeah. Right. A surfer hipster town. Surfer spiritual yogic hipster town. <laughs> How do you go? Oh, you can get and mix in a few like so more modern in that sense, like more nature, modern in the sense that I think about textiles or looking at the Indira Gandhi color palette. There's a lot of these like soft colors, the yellows and soft pinks and, and like emerald greens and stuff. Which fuck, there's like tons of emerald green here in the leaves. But fuck, just look at this. Almost like you take a picture of this and just lift. <laughs> That might be a simple way to do it. Just draw a color palette just from nature. So, it's so I just said mint green and I was like poking fun at like the aesthetic that I too am like appeased by. Let's be real. But I wrote a poem about this. It's on my like my doc website that I shared with you. If you're looking for inspiration, look at how many different shades of green a forest has. Mm -hmm. And then think about the color palettes that we have access to in our on Instagram or in tools that we have on mm -hmm. online. And how limited they're like oh here's forest green here's light green here's this other green but like when you take out the nuance you're missing half the beauty and so strong opinions about exceptions strong op opinions about bounds for colors sources of inspiration that first starts for you can i go on a flower walk and take photos of different plants and fauna in the area, flora and fauna in the area, and then we could pull from what's in our geolocation that also matches with what color palettes might be in the flora fauna, vast geography of India, and see if we could bring in ecology, and we're just surrounded by nature. I love that as a broad concept, and as <laughs> a 26-day concept. I, I think that there's probably something intuitive, like we've been here for months, right? So there's something intuitive already in us to acknowledge like sunsets and fauna and food and sand. And, and it may mean us taking one of these kind of adjusted palettes and seeing what resonates for us, just as again, working colors. Okay, let's do the color of that tea tree plant. This pinkish thing? Yeah. Okay. If you notice that leaf at the bottom, should I go bring it in, take a little piece off? Does that mean? Is it mean to the plant? Probably. If you love something, let Just it be. Gonna... Observe it. Right? Okay, okay, okay. We're picking it, assaulting it. We're just going to tear it in half. We, well, we can see it. Okay, fine. I was trying to show the camera. The camera will have, we'll post this as a thing. Fine. Follow up. Okay, so it's on the good. leaf, if you notice that it's pink on the outside and right. then it goes from like tones of brown to green yeah. on the inside. I know what you're thinking. Brown isn't necessarily a palatable color, but that's on the back. I'm just going to leave you with that. Why don't we put, put it there? Yeah. Inspiration is what do you call that plant? 
A tea tree plant. That's tea tree? No. Jesus, okay. I always wonder what a tea tree plant looked like. I think that's tea tree. That's what someone told me a long time ago, and I've just been calling it a tea tree. Okay. Um, last element of branding thing, and I know I've stolen the whole agenda, typeface. Defer. Defer. Okay. I think for a bunch of these, just for expedience, we're going to have to go, what are your bounds? Where can I go? Okay, decide. I make mean, I, I could spend, as I was just going to make yes. a whole artist residency on color. You're going to pull out a tabla and start to talk to me about colors. No, 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 no. 26 days, 26 days. Okay, so I, I like... <laughs> let, me, let me tell you about my experience of color. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Um, and there is a space for it. There is definitely a space for it. I defer for your best interest. <laughs> We're both, we want to get somewhere. Either. Both of our interests. Yeah. Okay. Only because I think some of these things where, where I'm trying to use a lens, like 26 days definitely is a lens. Um, the other one's Instagram. And like making that just using that as a bit of a boundary, just to simplify decisions. We're not doing this for the gram. Just so you know. Are we? <laughs> no, we're <laughs> specifically doing this for the gram. We're literally, by definition of that last thing, only doing it for the gram. No. Just, just for bounds, just for some bounds. Because there are things like when you think about the icon, for example, if you got to like size it for Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and all the shit, what's well, like different variations of it? Where is it going to appear? And oh my God, there's a header image. So when you do the icon and the header, does that make sense? Versus Instagram actually goes, stop going too deep into it. Get your icon, get your handle right, and away you go. And so partly um, in terms of like fonts and color schemes, it's what color schemes come up from the filters, for example, that makes this really easy for us to post the next thing. Or what typefaces are inside there that we can quickly change because we can't use a custom typeface is what's in there. And then we can use analogous ones when we want to make a post. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, now I'm getting nerdy on the brand side, but that's, I'm using, wanting to embrace one platform because we want to get out there. And then also the, the constraints of that platform, because it'll simplify some of the decision-making that is like non-critical for us to show. Okay. So I really want to say, I appreciate what you just shared right now. And actually this whole, like first bit of the conversation, because this is like where I struggle as an artist or as like someone that creates stuff and wants to mm. put it out there, which is how do I not make many decisions? Like, how do I be like, okay, cool. This is the font I'm going to use, the color, this is the template, boom, boom. Now, all I have to do is fill in the blank with what's actually important with uh, the words, the poetry, the visual, the actual doing of. So like, thanks, Anji. Thank you, Anji. Because it, it, it is, and I guess social media or presenting yourself in any form or fashion is inherently a branding exercise. Yeah, which is like weird, but tis the world we live in. It's embracing the constraints so that we can yeah. create more fiercely without getting lost in some of the little decisions. And so if some of these things are just about making decisions so that we can just move mm. forward. And we'll find new spaces in that. Because okay, you got colors, but what about gradients? And what about animations? And like, maybe those things will show up for us. You know, I'm curious. <laughs> Okay. Okay. I stole the agenda, but those are three things that were near the top of my mind, just because we're getting that pulled out of us for the thing next week. 
So I have a very different agenda plan. I imagined that you would. Like, so different? <laughs> I love that, though. This is why it's going to work. <laughs> We're going to cover a lot of space together. So I'm going to go from the macro <laughs> to the micro. So this is, this is the approach here. So facts. We receive our spices. We receive a version of our spices tomorrow. And the mission to pay that man was really intense. But when I finally got to the, the Paloma supermarket, first of all, the guy that was supposed to do it was getting into a huge fight with his mom. And I just watched him fight with his mom for like 20 minutes, like the owner of the shop and her son kind of thing. And I'm like, should I come back? Anyways, so we paid the man. He's coming tomorrow. So start at the top of... I think like my agenda was more so to walk us through logic and get on the same page. And then the final action, my action item is to determine our menu because that's pressing because we need to offer it tomorrow for them to, for a hotel stint next week. So I wanted to start with the idea of like oral tradition. Mm. We touched on it yesterday mm. and I, I really appreciate that, that we brought it up mm. because the word tradition and traditional Indian food. And like, there's a lot of things get caught in that filter. And what we're doing is adapting. We're doing a paleo vegan ish menu. And that's adapting a lot of the traditional fats and ingredients that they use in India. And so like the cow, at least in, in Hinduism, is like super sacred using milk from the cow. There's so many strings to pull there. Mm -hmm. But in my experience of receiving oral history and yeah, just being a receiver is that, and, and that's traditionally how our histories have been passed down is, is through oral history. Like a lot of ancient religions or ancient cultures rather, not relig religions too. Anyway, it's complicated. And what's beautiful about the oral tradition is that it's not, it's oral, the way that it's transmitted is a way that's memorable. Mm -hmm. So Sanskrit, for example, is like a code. Like mm -hmm. you can't really misinterpret Sanskrit in the mm -hmm. same way that you can misinterpret English. Really? Yeah, it's, it's, it's shared in a way where it's very clear. And when I say that, is it the word that's shared? Is it the mannerism in which it's shared? I'm not exactly sure, but it is shared in a way where it's very clear. Mm -hmm. And that clarity is to hold potency, but not potency, but not rigidity. So what I mean by that is mm -hmm. one of the beautiful things about oral culture is that it adapts and evolves as your environment, as your time, as your circumstance requires you to evolve. Mm -hmm. And like the way our bodies are in this moment is the way that our food ecosystem is in this moment is significantly different than like our ancestral food ecosystem, even not even that far for you, like going to your grandma's house, like mm. when you were a little kid, like the food ecosystem there is so different than what we have here. And so the quality of the ingredients tastes different, mm. access to those ingredients tastes different. Like mm. our bodies respond to ingredients differently. Mm. Maybe it's our bodies or how the food is actually harvested. Mm. And so I wanted to just like reference that like oral tradition doesn't mean rigidity and be really clear that like we have the opportunity and the ability to experiment and not mm. feel like we're, I don't know, 
bastardizing tradition or something like that. Do you want to be like a good steward of what we're translating for this audience? Yeah, well, I want to be a good steward to understand our shared ancestral lineages, right? Mm. And what's really shared about our lineages is geography mm. and a few other new, like, and, and the fact that we're both diasporic humans, but there's so much difference also. Anyways, I'm like going on tangents here as I float into Macro. ideas in my mind. Rain cloud. <laughs> I'll be your rain guy, you know, I'll be the droplet. Oh my like, God. But I, I appreciate you setting a standard. So you've got language that's potent, but not what did I, rigid, potent, but rigid. And so is that what you're trying to do with the food? You want to take the intention of the recipes of the food, the history of the food. You want it to be potent, but not rigid because we're translating it for oh, here. hundred percent. Got it. And like where the potency comes in is like our spices, mm. right? You can't necessarily swap spices very easily, mm -hmm. but you can still allow other foods, other like ingredients to absorb the flavor of those spices and mm. still hold the same sentiment that mm -hmm. we're intending for. Let's be seasonal about it kind of thing. Totally. And paleo local. and healthy. And it's such a lush place that I would regret not using local ingredients while we're in the midst of really great vegetation. Yeah. So anyways, I wanted to like get your thoughts and yeah. comments or get on the same page about that feeling, totally. that sentiment. I want to be as, as thoughtful as possible. And I think this is where like we have, well, we cook. And so we have some experience with having to translate stuff in the kitchen for ourselves. I think it's beautiful that things like whole turmeric exists here. I've never used whole turmeric before. Yeah. And so it's like, how do you, how does one use whole turmeric? And like, how do you substitute whole turmeric when I've only ever used turmeric powder. And what's the ratio, for example? But I also think we have tons of really great resources like all the aunties that, mm -hmm. that we know and our own moms and, and just ask them through this. And a bunch of chefs that are of many genders. So uh, I'm all about that. And I think as we start to um, put all of the recipes we want to explore on our list and start to draw down ones that make sense for us here, we could probably call, like phone a friend on some of those and get like a consult. Because I think some people are going to know not just the practicalities of cooking in batch and we're in a home kitchen and we'll have access to industrial kitchen, but also like some of the hidden histories of some of these dishes. Like, oh yeah, it actually used to be done that way. I'm really curious about, about old turmeric because wait, what? I've never used it though. I've eaten turmeric my entire life. Mm -hmm. So what is the history of this thing? How else was it used? Was it soaked? Was it bashed? Was it always in a paste? And I know you have some of these answers and I'm also curious to know when we open up our suitcase and whatever's in there, um, because it'll, it'll be like a little bit like iron chef, right? Like here's what we got and here's what we have to augment. Yeah. And iron chef. Here's okay. what we're trying to go. And what, do, what can we use? Because I also think the history of food is also about being resourceful and having to be seasonal and having to do stop gaps and stuff like that. I'm excited about that exploration. Me too. It's going to pull more information out of you guys and out of our networks and out of our moms, and our mobs, which, yeah, that's <laughs> a, a huge wealth of, of this education. So yeah. Okay, cool. That's so great. So potent, but not rigid is ethos, not. ethos for translating recipes. No, I like that. Yeah, that's it. Okay. And so I wanted the next item on the agenda on my end is <laughs> the menu of India. <laughs> the menu of India. Okay. Well, so I mean, we are two human beings that represent two different regions of India and 
probably even barely represent our region in this impossible. You know what I think of in that state in that when I think of this, when I think of what we're doing, I think of diversity and inclusion. Mm. And I think of like a boardroom or like a meeting room. And there's one person of color that's asked to represent all people mm. of color, every customer that is black, white, or yellow. Can you please tell us? <laughs> and it's actually, no, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> and so it just, it makes me laugh because I'm sure in different ways we've been in that, in that position in, in corporate or, or business related settings. And now here we are like representing, because we're saying come eat our Indian food to Costa Ricans and local humans that haven't really experienced Indian food before ever. Like Joseph has never. Some, some people like a local, some of like Joseph's our tuk tuk driver. So he's right. like also not on a food tour necessarily, but he's from like, San Jose. He's from San Jose and I'm, I'm sure he's eaten well and they, they have access to really great ingredients. But I also think about some of like your former landlord and some of the other Americans and Canadians here who absolutely will call out bullshit on bad Indian food. Oh, well, and I'm not talking about bad Indian food, but I but, just... But I'm sorry, more mean, less bad, but more about this is not a great expression. This is not a memorable expression of Indian food. Given that if you come from a place like Toronto, like you are probably eating auntie's cooking by extension, of course, translated for the restaurant environment but you're not completely dumb about what these flavors are. So I guess in a way, like when we talk about menus of India, mm. I like feel like we're just going to cook all of the dishes that our favorite dishes that we grew up with, but also mm. the dishes that we recognize from restaurants or things that we've gone to as well, mm -hmm. that we feel would be palatable to people. Yeah. Approachable for this, satisfying, of value. Right. Yeah. So you start to have to put it through a bunch of different lenses to make it viable for this place. Right. So, but I think we, we have to, we may just have to like embrace that we're, we're going to have five to 10 shots, like five to 10 meals we're going to make over 26 days. And we're going to try to keep some records so that we've done a pretty honest job of covering dishes we're curious about, dishes that this audience may want to eat and know that we're never going to we're going to leave tons of white space. No, we are. And so I guess I was never expecting us to hit like mm. many of the notes that are of Indian cuisine, mm. but given everything that's happened in India over this past year and mm. like people acknowledging that India is the largest democracy, mm. that India has 1.4 billion people. If you never looked at India before, mm -hmm. you will hundred percent heard about India during this last, this pandemic year because of the good, the bad, and the ugly that's all happened in India. And so I guess I want to use it also as like a teachable moment. Hey, cool. Like India is 16.5% of the world's population mm -hmm. and has 37 different cuisines. Mm -hmm. And right now we're representing this cuisine yeah. just so you know. And so that they, I think it also falls in line with the politics that are happening in India right now, Hindu, Satwa kind of thing, like where there's a dominant religion and culture that's trying to be aggressive up, around the whole country. Like, yeah, it's nationalism, the, nationalism. the Indian expression of it, right? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. And then you can also play the, the sort of the wealth spectrum, right? Because not that long ago, India was the world's richest country. That's something like 40% of GDP globally. This is only in the last few hundred years. 
And we think about India as like this poor place and it's dull and it's talis and it's all vegetarian food. But like India had like dynastic wealth and was ruled by different religion, religious rulers over history. And so not only do you have like the everyday peasant food, right? Like whole lentils and stuff like that. But you have like super ornate, super sophisticated, complicated dishes too. And so I think when we think about it, we're thinking about what is really approachable, but that's like the everyman food. But imagine opening up like the raw, like opening up the Taj Mahal version of the cookbook and be like, what did this guy who built a fucking palace, a mausoleum out of marble eat? Because yeah, sure he ate dal, but he might've eaten some other shit. And was it only grown in India? Probably not because India was at the nexus of all these trade routes. And so you probably have access to all these other spices and techniques. So I think there's so many layers that it, it's going to be, I think it'd be interesting because we'll teach ourselves some things about that. And we can also start to teach, it'll be like the pin will have all this metadata. It's from here, from this tradition, probably from this social class. Maybe it's this season. And we don't have to get super anthropological about it, but I'm curious about, about like our blind spots because 100%. I don't know what it's like to eat in a palace in Northern India, for example. And I also, I think it's just important to acknowledge this again. I'm just like building the container for us. We're going to go through these thought experiments. And I think that's part of the fun of having these um, conversations that make us think. Also, I have a secret fourth thing on the agenda that I will slide in there. <laughs> but let's go tactical so we've like macroed into our micro moment here yep so we ordered spices from new york city mm-hmm. and a really lovely human named sonia went and sonia auntie thank you sonia auntie <laughs> shout out to sonia auntie if you're watching this she went to an indian store and she her message back to me we sent her a massive list of indian spices to get us because we tallied that in yeah. the course of 26 days that we will feed 500 people. Or at least we will use 500 people's worth of spices. We might use some of that in experimentation, um, but we are expecting to feed a lot of people Mm. in a town that doesn't have that many people. (laughs) Well, there are a thousand permanent residents of Guyanet, so half of the people here are going to eat this food. Going to eat the food. Please come eat our food. And so Sonia went to buy, she went to the Indian grocery store and she's Carl, Uncle G hooked it up. I would not have been able to bring all, figure out what these spices were if it wasn't for Uncle G there. And I thought that was just so, like just such a brilliant response to the list of spices we got. So next week we're cooking at a hotel. At a hotel. We're cooking at a hotel. We have a vegan supper club residency mm-hmm. where we will be cooking there at least three times this month, mm-hmm. if not more. We are tentatively plotting a pop-up restaurant slash art-like experience, maybe for one, two, or three days, TBD. Mm-hmm. And I am sure we will be serving takeout containers from our homestead. We're, we have, have to work this through the test kitchen, so like benefits And then are. there's also markets <laughs> happening, like um, right. the farmer's market. And this is all of the things that we planned in a very short period of time. six days, sprint. <laughs> So for next Thursday's menu. Mm. Want to get into the menu? Yeah. Okay, I have the same menu. Same, same thing on my list. Great. I wanted to get in the menu. Okay. I also want to get my computer charger. Okay. <laughs> Which is recording our audio. Okay. <laughs> ERP. 
probably pretty critical. But let me just acknowledge what you're saying around like people helping. There have been so many people that have stepped up to help this process already. And we don't we didn't really have very much. We still have three Instagram posts and a semi-soft brand on Instagram. But it's a lot of people have been like, excuse me, what? And Aww. have stepped up to like help and have been super generous about that, which I think is, of course, is the power of the relationships we have and the people that care about us. And I think there's something just super powerful of food because like food is what you eat, but food is like this practice, right? And it's like food is memory. Food yeah. is getting to connect you to a different time and place. And so I think a lot of people understand that. And I think I'm surprised because there's not a lot of like Indian things happening here, but like how quickly people respond to the opportunity to eat home-cooked Indian food. So I'm like Aww. pretty excited about like fulfilling people's hopes in that sense. Me too. I honestly like it's, it's been actually, it was surprising how mm -hmm. quickly people open these opportunities up yeah. for us to cook. I was like amazed, like it was like, doo -doo 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 -doo. I was like wow, okay, yeah. this is happening. Yeah. And so menu. Okay. So something I noticed, they, there are like a few moments of Indian food being cooked in, for example, the Vegan Supper Club. It's the only data point to have, actually. Mm. And so what I see is chana masala, cauliflower-centered dishes, mm -hmm. I guess like doll-like dishes, but doll's like a really broad, a broad thing. Mm -hmm. And like curried vegetables. Um, so those are like broadly what I've seen here. And mm. so wondering what we can offer people for a little bit of diversity from that. Yeah. Uh, and also, I don't like cauliflower. <laughs> I'm, writing, I'm writing that down. Carl doesn't like <laughs> cauliflower. I think it's because my dad loved loves aloo gobi, <laughs> which is potato and cauliflower, like yeah. in a masala, and you eat it every week. And I'm like, no, mom, no. So we have a menu here. Okay. So yeah, in the spirit of keeping it paleo and vegan-ish, and the reason, like, okay, let's clarify, the vegan-ish part mm. is only a sub of animal protein here or there. We might mm -hmm. make a dish with animal protein, uh, but large, it's going to be dairy-free, gluten-free, grain-low, if not grain-free at all times, mm. and okay. mostly... Yeah. I think we also want permission to like use eggs, which like is probably not offensive to most people. Also, it's hard to get tofu that's like really good yes. quality here. And you need the protein, right? Like we, I think that's something that everybody is probably going to want just to just have a complete meal, but also to have something that's actually satisfying at the end. We'll see. Cause like in the vegan supper club, that's like legit vegan. Like we gotta be, yes. like we're not using ghee or any kind of animal based products yes. in that regard. So well, that's we use legumes, no? Or like chickpeas. Exactly. It's just the sub of protein that might make it not vegan or vegan. Right. That's like the only thing. Yeah, obviously. So like to clarify, we're not using ghee, we're not using honey in any of our dishes. Except for if it's veganish. Except if it's veganish. Yes. Okay. So I have cashew butter tofu. Okay. Slash cashew butter chicken. Ah, interesting. Because the hotel, we have some folks helping us cook. We could make the same dish times veggie versus not veggie. I was thinking of making, we have to try this in our test kitchen first though, biryani quinoa, mm -hmm. like vegetable biryani quinoa, made of course with a side of Paro's homemade mm -hmm. coconut yogurt, uh, but we can make it raita, coconut yogurt raita with like 
the masalas, the grated cucumber in there, and then also pickled onion and pickled carrots to be a side of that. Although that's not really a traditional pairing with those dishes, but mm-hmm. I think like, having some fermented foods is really nice because it is like a healing thing. Yeah, so that's kind of what I have on my list there. There's also like a million other dishes that we have on our huge spreadsheet. Like, <laughs> I, I just picked a familiar dish right. that is going to be rich and savory mm-hmm. and hit the note for people that are missing that like South Asian cuisine right now slash me missing that South Asian cuisine right right now. Totally. And those are like pretty accessible dishes to modify and experiment with in our test kitchen. I love these. Yeah. And I totally get that, that we're, we need to like sit with our Venn diagram and find the thing that is approachable for people and tasty. And then the specific stuff we, we, we need to work out for the hotel and maybe we'll get invited back if we're that good, is to make it really easy for like their existing kitchen staff to make because they're like line cooks, they're not like chefs and they don't come from this tradition. And, and I think so we'll be in the kitchen with them. We'll be cooking alongside we'll and be, doing But our some Spanish of... is limited. My Spanish is limited? Yeah. Yes, yes. So it'll be like, we just have to acknowledge that there is a language gap there and we will get some help. So there's like that aspect of complexity just to manage for that. The other one is food cost because this is one of the pl- this is one of the places that like professional food service has to think about, and they traditionally need the food to cost no more than thirty percent of the sticker price. And so, working back something like cashews on a portion place portion basis, we just need to like do the math because they're going to order it on our behalf, and then of course order a little bit so that if there are errors or whatever, we can like control for that. And then figuring out something that's like actually interesting because I think everyone's going to know a butter chicken. Right? Not everyone's going to know biryani. I'm excited about biryani. I hope we make biryani at some point. In this like a chicken thing. biryani kind of thing? or Because you mentioned chicken biryani being biryani. like a traditional base dish for you. Biryani is like in, in a Muslim, like it's an Islamic dish that spreads from Iraq right through India. So you talk yeah. to Arabs and they're like, yeah, I was, uh, I'm actually made a biryani once with this Iraqi girl. And she's like, yeah, here's how we make biryani. I was like, yo. <laughs> How the fuck is this happening? And you start to realize actually the history of some of these dishes, many of these dishes, aren't what you think they are. I won't be surprised. Right? I, I won't be surprised. And also I wanted to make that potato, the... Yes. I don't remember, what what was what did you call it? So we call, in Goa, we call these... Potato chops. And it actually turns out that they make something similar here. Cool. So they would actually know what this is about. So that could be our appetizer, yeah. like a potato chop. That's a really heavy meal. Let's like, look, we're putting stuff on the board now. So yeah. we're going to have to narrow down and figure out food costs and actual like satisfying plate. Because like um, I'm also thinking about tummy ache and like being mindful because I think Indian food, because of this excitement that we're both experiencing right now, give me the lush, give me the rich, give me the delicious is yeah. maybe the pitfall of the gluttonous customer, AKA me, when I go to an Indian restaurant, I was like, feed me everything. Yeah. We're going to save those people. I think like the, the top two, for me anyway, the things that really get me is like food that floats in ghee and there's yes. no ghee coming into this equation and sneaky cream, fucking finishing creams here and there where they're not even like thinking about it. They're just like, yeah, you just need it for texture. I don't think it's ghee, by the way. I think it's probably canola oil or some yes. sort of other oil. Whatever the ghee, heavy oil Ghee is. doesn't really, it's yes. not as sticky as... Agreed. It's but, whatever the no. substitution they're making is that's so oil, abundant and cheap. And, cream. Right. and for me, grains, like this, like poor quality rice, 
Right. And gluten, this little one does not respond well. I'm curious about doing the biryani too with something like jackfruit, which would make it fully a vegan dish. I know you have an aversion to jackfruit, but this is an opportunity to use true, to put our hands on it and see if we can turn it into something. Because also jackfruit in Goa is known for giving you terrifying nightmares, I think is the right word. Oh my God, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so we want to give these people terrible nightmares? When it's eaten improperly. So it's eaten late in the day, it's eaten in high quantities, and you're like not coming with that warning. And so portioning it, preparing it, making sure that it's like not actually the last meal people are eating. Got it. So then we could just modify the quantity of jackfruit in the biryani. But what you said, I didn't experience this because I grew up vegetarian. And so mm. vegetable plow, vegetable biryani mm. was so normal for me. So I didn't experience what you shared, which is the beauty of having a protein in the rice is that mm -hmm. it cooks in the rice and the mm -hmm. fats and the juices and everything kind of merges and melds and creates this like beautiful symphony that is what we know as a version of biryani and yeah. uh, that wasn't ever my experience so mm. I'm curious and I've mm. had very shitty jackfruit experiences mm -hmm. but I'm open to changing that. We have a test kitchen and a suitcase, half a suitcase, some suitcase of spices coming so like it would be this is the time right to, if we're gonna if we want to know the answers to some of these things we can also yes this it's mango season so it's I wanted to make mango lassi mm. well so it doesn't have to be lassi because lassi is quite heavy but we can make some sort of mango drink or mango something coconut yogurt mango lassi it's a lot okay yeah. but like little ones not like a little like shot glass liter so we're just propelling my coconut yogurt empire just starting it it's giving it a reason to start for a lot of these things it's we want all the answer let's create we got we 10 coconuts perfect pull coming out of it right now we got 10 coconuts coming tomorrow morning market demand yeah. okay so based on what we just said is there something that like jumps out to you that is yo we should totally appreciating all the other constraints food cost complexity language barrier first time i think doing maybe at that point first time um, the only thing that I'm questioning is the quinoa biryani. Everything yeah. else I feel really confident about. Like a cashew butter chicken. feel super confident about Pretty that. Confident I've about made that. vegan versions of that before and dairy-free versions of that. Quinoa, something that's beautiful about biryani is the fluffiness of the rice. And my mom told me one of the secrets to making your rice beautiful and fluffy is to squeeze lemon while it's cooking. Mm. And also to soak your rice overnight or soak your rice for an hour before you cook it. Mm wash your rice mm. if you ever watch what was that guy's name that youtube sensation that uncle freddy uncle something oh my god i'm sure someone knows what i'm talking about uncle whatever and it was just like asian dude in, in the uk mm. that was talking about how to make fried rice mm. anyways I'm, I'm i'm miss maybe not saying this i don't remember his name so mm. i'm just gonna leave it um Maybe I think we need to sit down and write out the ingredients, though. We can just work out. Let them help us a little bit with the food costs, because they'll get wholesale prices, which also help us. So on close, like to wrap this session, I wanted to sit. Wait a second. We're not ready to close. Oh, we're not. Let's talk about potato chops. Okay. Have you had potato chops before? No. Okay. The potato chop mm -hmm. is like something that's actually universal, yeah. it turns out. And this one, I think, is... To me, this is like one I know we can execute. Like out of the box, I know we can execute it from all those different constraints. And also 
it's just super satisfying because who doesn't love a little like fried potato? And I know that you need potatoes to keep your mind running. Like a little bit of <laughs> so I'd like to push that one forward too as we work out our menu. And I love that you brought out Palau because that's for us going, I don't know if that's like in every India dish, but Palau and go, that's, that's the shit. Yeah, you're eating Palau. Whenever people love you, they're making you Palau basically instead of rice. Um, Wait, what's the difference between Palau and rice? Oh, it's, yeah, okay. Made with it's like stock and it. spices yes. and, and cinnamon sticks and stuff like that. And then the stuff you said too around the pickles, I think we should just make this like the pickled onions, carrots. We have to make, we're going to make it mango. now. Yeah. And then the, uh, it'll yeah. probably fit in parallel with what you're talking about with coconut yogurt and variations of coconut yogurt just to drink and to use the raita and stuff like that. It's something that it goes on the side of the plate, it does not take time on that day for food prep, but is also specifically like very Indian and you almost imagine to be able to do that in small ways if we're talking about doing the food mart or like the food market and doing bodega and stuff like that because a very small amount will go a long way and it's like unforgettable right even a very basic meal is elevated with this really healthy fermented food but that adds a punch of flavor all right that's um, all I wanted to acknowledge here in responding to some of the things and also said. fermented food needs an ingredient that you can't replace which is time right Secret. The secret ingredient is love. <laughs> As my mom would say. As your mom. Um, okay, brilliant. Okay, yeah. we're gonna hammer out some of these details in the back end. Yeah. I wanted to talk about agenda item four. <laughs> the last thing. I think it might be really interesting to maybe read a book or two together on mm. some of the things that we're talking about. Read some books about food in India or culture in India. I have a few books. Maybe we'll save that for our next conversation. I'll pull out the list of books and a little synopsis. And there's some beautiful books about Indian culture, for an Indian di- for the Indian diaspora, about Indian food in India, and like the mm. misnomers. Mm. Of- no, the word sugar in Hindi is chine. Chine? Mm. Something like that. It's, I'm like blanking right now because I'm like toggling Spanish and French through my head and mm. trying to find the Hindi. Uh, anyways, but the origin story, it's called that because it's from China. Sugar in India came from China? Something like that. That's like huh. an example. I'm, I shouldn't, I'm, I'm tired. We'll come back. We'll come back, circle back and address that one with references. <laughs> I'm happy to read a long poem or a long essay on foods. Yeah. Okay. Wait, okay, Andy. Okay, okay. <laughs> Sorry, you're busy in the kitchen. I forgot. If it's audio. You want to put, actually, let's find audiobooks. That's a perfect thing. That's what to, I, yeah. yeah. yeah audiobook. Okay, Andy. Do you feel complete? I feel complete. Today's what, Thursday? Day two? Day two. Decisions, what are the decisions we've made here? We've decided to push forward on brand. All that's covered. We know it all. It's happening. Yeah. We've agreed to cataloging this journey in minute detail because there's only 26 days of it. Well, of this stretch, of this residency. And I think we've agreed to go deeper into some of these recipes to see what's viable for our uh, hotel pop-up next week. Yum. And then tomorrow should be fucking exciting because we'll get to do the great... Actually, we should do it on camera. The, the unboxing. <laughs> the suitcase of spices. Yes. Unveil. That'd be a good one. Okay. Call it a wrap. Are you going to clap? Are you going to clap? Thank you, Auntie. What? No, it's not the high five. It's not a high five. It's for, like, cut. I like... End? How do we end it? We should have something that we end it with. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and 
I'm gonna stop this over here. <laughs>